0: Oh, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren and I'm Julia.
1: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was looking for my fidget spinner before <laughs> before we really started talking because I uh, I mess with the cables
0: and I mess with yeah. Can I tell you though? That was flawless. I saw your eyes moving around. You were moving stuff and you were like, I'm Julia. Like you did not change the tone at all. That's a professional right there. Yeah. You're a professional. Nothing if not professional.
1: (laughs) Uh, We're recording this on uh, Friday, May 25th, which happens to be National Wine Day. Yeah.
0: I mean, I celebrate it every year. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And sometimes... Another day. Yes, as so well. so if
1: you're familiar with us, you know that we enjoy our wine. Yes. Uh, if you're not familiar with us, welcome. <laughs> we enjoy uh, our wine. <laughs> thank you for joining our podcast.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and if you haven't listened to us before, I don't know why you haven't, but um, each week Lauren and I take turns kind of researching a topic and then there's a quiz at the end and we, you know, we try to keep things enjoyable. Not every quiz will be Bible history. Okay. Like...
0: Last week's episode. Someone's a bitter Betty about my Bible quiz. You know I'm a bitter Betty. <laughs> so um, yes, so it will not be a Bible quiz every time, but sometimes <laughs> it's only tangentially related to the previous topic mm-hmm. that either one of us has talked about. So yeah, um, Julie, I couldn't help but notice to go with our wine mm-hmm. this evening. Um, you have a new snack, a new snack on the yes. table. Yes. Tell me about it.
1: Um, I was at Trader Joe's yesterday? Oh, which best. Controversial opinion for someone here in Rochester. Oh, I like Trader Joe's. Uh oh,
0: at the same level as I like Wegman's. You know what? We're gonna have to edit that out because we're gonna <laughs> lose. <laughs> we're gonna lose. I all didn't of our say locals. better than. Okay, you said at the same level. At the same level as but the, Wegman's. But I can see your face, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it seems like uh, you're let's just say lying I go to
1: Trader to Joe's once a week and I go to Wegman's once a week
0: the end they have different purposes sure absolutely yes um, no i so, agree so yes
1: trader joe's has um some awesome snacks oh, and so um good. this time around i picked us up a bag of and you, you, you listeners <laughs> you can you can hear me pick i up can't the wait bag. to eat it we're not eating it because we're not gonna eat it on the podcast it looks very crunchy, crunchy. <laughs> yeah um this is giant peruvian inca corn and it is salted
0: oh so, good yeah so okay, basically
1: great. they're like big big incan corn nuts i guess <laughs> so yeah these, uh, this bag contains giant weight corn grown in the Andes mountains of Peru in the sacred valley of the Incas. Ooh. You no longer need a llama to hit the high trails <laughs> to track down this crunchy salty snack. Although you can if you want to. Oh, Joe. So, yeah, they're the best. So, so um, yeah, this was great because I, in my mind I had a topic percolating and this really like cemented it for me. So, Ooh. well, we can eat this snack later, but this okay. week I'm going to be talking about MIA civilizations. That's the Mayans, the Incas, and the (laughs) all right so we're kind of we're gonna go kind of in chronological order in case that will help you to you know retain the information yeah like if I talked about the earliest one or if I talked about the latest ones first it might be confusing
0: yeah because I I mean this might be uh ethnocentric of me, but all of these cultures are uh-huh. kind of disassociated from time in my mind. Sure. They are ancient cultures Ooh. and that as far back as I go. Wait till I wait oh. till you learn. Oh I can't wait to learn. Tonight,
1: Lauren. So yeah, um this topic comes up a trivia. Um it's come up on jeopardy, you know I want you to know where these cultures are from, kind of what they're known for, um, some keywords that, like, if you see this word or hear this word, this probably refers to this culture. Okay, so great. We're going to start with the Mayan civilization. Okay, now this was in Mesoamerica, which is. Basically Central America um, and into Mexico too. Um, they kind of begin around um, 2000 BC. That's kind of so wow. this this civilization was around for a lot of different periods. And so, you know, when when historians refer to them, they have like the The prehistoric and the classical and the post-classical and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. I'm not going to delve that deep into it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So um, the Maya civilization developed within the Mesoamerican cultural area, which covers a region spreading from northern Mexico southward into Central America. And from this region came a series of important cultural developments, including complex societies, agriculture cities monumental architecture writing and calendar systems also part of these cultures were blood and human sacrifice and (laughs) we'll we'll get there later (laughs) um the mayan people viewed the world as divided into four divisions aligned with the cardinal directions each with different attributes and a three-way division of the world into the celestial realm so there's the earth and the underworld and the celestial Oh, I like yes. this. Um, around 6,000 BC, the early inhabitants of Mesoamerica began to domesticate plants, which eventually led to the establishment of, the, of their agricultural societies. The diverse climate allowed for a wide variation in available crops, but all regions of Mesoamerica cultivated the base crops of maize, mm-hmm. aka corn, uh, beans, and squashes. Uh, Mesoamerica didn't use farm animals or the wheel. And they possessed few domesticated animals, uh, although they did domesticate bees. Um, and their That's principal genius. means of transport was on foot or by canoe. Uh, the territory of My- of the Maya, or the Mayan people, you'll you'll see them kind of referred to interchangeably, uh, covered a third of Mesoamerica. And the Maya were engaged in a dynamic relationship with neighboring cultures, including the Olmecs, the Mixtecs, the Techicucan, the Aztecs, and others. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so the Mesoamerican language area Shares a number of important features Including widespread loan words And a use of a vigesimal number system Now do you know what that means? No, but okay. I love that word so the vigesimal number system is base 20 We use the decimal system which is base 10 okay. But vigesimal is base 20
0: Okay, can you give me an example of what that means? Uh,
1: so uh, in mm-hmm, Let's see so, like, we, like, dimes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, we use dimes. Oh, oh I see what they you mean. They would so use, like, a tw- like something worth 20 okay. instead of something worth
0: 10. So, it's almost like like the the inverse. So, not inverse, but, like, the opposite. So, instead of, like, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, we're uh-huh. using, like, increments of 10. Yeah, they, would, they go would do it 20, 40, 60, yes. 80. Okay. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. I think I got that. Yeah. Uh, So
1: that's Vigesimal, V-I-G-E-S-I-M-A-L, and that's base 20. Uh, Mayan writing dates to the late pre-classic period, which is about 300 BC to 100 AD. Um, It's preserved on their buildings, stone monuments, in rare books, and in pottery. And while words in the English language are formed with combinations of 26 letters, written Mayan words are formed from various combinations of more than 800 hieroglyphs, each representing a symbol. Wow. So um, their system was thought to be the most sophisticated of its kind in Mesoamerica. Mm. And only in the last few decades have Mayanists gained the ability to read most of the glyphs. Um, the wow. Catholic Church and Spanish colonial officials destroyed most of the Mayan texts yeah. wherever they found them, and therefore the knowledge of Mayan writing. Uh, but by chance, there are three uncontested pre-Columbian books that have been preserved. And these oh, are known three. as the Madrid Codex, the Dresden Codex, and the Paris Codex. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mayans in childhood, um, males and females had their heads bound to artificially deform their skulls into an elongated shape to signify their social status. So higher social status meant, yeah their, they, their heads, they were w- up. their heads were wrapped and kind of like their skulls were
0: shaped. I think into I've seen like, a, like images of that. Yeah, in some way.
1: it's it's interesting to think about. Yeah,
0: I, guess. I mean you know body modification is is a worldwide thing and you know i mean who's to say you know what I mean? <laughs> some people have gauges in their ears other people yeah. uh, adjust the skulls of their babies yeah uh the maya
1: also drilled holes into their front teeth and inlaid them with jade pyrite hematite or turquoise okay that,
0: that i can get behind yeah <laughs> it's like a real fancy grill yeah
1: Um, And for the Maya, consuming hallucinogens and intoxicants were the best way to talk to the spirits. Sure. So they drank substances like balche, which was made with fermented, possibly psychedelic honey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? What? There's
0: psychedelic honey out there?
1: I'm guessing if like the bees got the pollen from like, you know, plants that would be poisonous or maybe you know, that
0: have a hallucinogenic effect that oh my then gosh. their honey would be. Of course. Yeah. But can you imagine like you grab the wrong honey in the morning? You're an ancient Mayan. Mm, you you're got like, your toast. I got your toast. And you're like, man, I got such a busy day. I got to get into the office soon. Um, and you're like, here we go. Bloop, bloop. And then you are just <laughs> like, tripping, tripping balls. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, damn it. Not again. It's true. I got <laughs> to get those. the account
1: book straightened out.
0: <laughs> like, oh, um, geez.
1: Historians have said, um, in order for Mayans to get inebriated more quickly and perhaps also to avoid vomiting, they may have administered alcohol and psychoactives rectally. No, what? and there I are know that, that I know you so I'm much just, to say that <laughs> I, I think it's kind of funny in <laughs> this context. Funny. In this context, um, there are a lot of scenes on Mayan pottery depicting enemas in a ritual context. Oh my god! Um, and
0: you know, apparently. Hey, it's an orifice. You can, you can absorb it just as well as any other, really. Who? So. <sighs> that's. My. Uncomfy. <laughs> um. <laughs> during well this is going to get
1: more uncomfortable oh boy uh, during the pre-Columbian era human sacrifice in Mayan culture was the ritual offering of nourishment to the gods so they viewed blood as a potent source of nourishment for the Mayan deities sure. and the sacrifice of a living creature was considered a powerful blood offering okay basically the sacrifice of a human life was the ultimate offering of blood to the gods yeah um, and the most important Mayan rituals cult culminated in human sacrifice um, generally only high status prisoners of war were sacrificed um, they, sure they kept lower status prisoners like for labor um, but a number of human sacrificial methods were employed by the Mayans oh my gosh uh, the most common being decapitation and heart extraction sure um, additional forms of sacrifice included ritually shooting the victim with arrows hurling okay. sacrifices into a deep sinkhole entombing them alive to accompany a noble burial and disembowelment Ugh. Oh, and there's the good old method of tying the sacrifice into a ball for a ritual reenactment of the Mesoamerican ball game. No, no, what? The Mesoamerican ball game is a sport with ritual associations played since 1400 BC by the pre Columbian people of ancient Mesoamerica. The sport had different versions in different places during the millennia, and a newer, more modern version of the game called Uyama. Ulama is still played in a few places by the indigenous population. So the rules of the game are not known, uh, but <laughs> judging from its descendant ulama, uh, they were probably similar to racquetball, where the aim is to keep the ball in play. Wait, so what? in the most common theory of the game, the players would strike the ball with their hips, although some versions allowed the use of forearms, rackets, or bats. So the ball was typically made of solid rubber and weighed as much as nine pounds, Ooh. and sizes differed greatly over time or according to the version played. And the game had very important ritual aspects, and major formal ball games were held as ritual events. though late in the history of the game, some cultures occasionally seem to have combined competitions with religious human sacrifice. So they would take the person that they were going to sacrifice and they would tie him up
0: in a ball and they would play the game with him. they and would like just hip beat him. check him Oh my yeah, God. With bats and. Stuff. Oh my yeah. God. Well, they couldn't keep him in the air for very long because that's like a 150 <laughs> <No>. pound man. <laughs> You know, could not keep them in the air very long. <laughs> There's no <laughs> infield fly roll in the Mesoamerican no, uh, ball game. That's very difficult to imagine. But also, man, yeah. what a tough way to go. Yeah. You know, as and the- if And
1: even if you're trying to picture it with the ball in itself. Yeah. Like, um, they've excavated all of these like stone ball courts is what they've, you know, oh, okay. ended up calling them. And so they had rubber down there and they made these big, big rubber balls. And then like, they would play the game in those courts. It'd Be like tossing
0: around a medicine ball.
1: Yeah, basically
0: like playing dodgeball, but with a medicine ball. Oh my god, with like a hard rubber, heavy ball. Yeah, that that doesn't sound fun. Or or human sex. Or a human person.
1: Um, <laughs> the sport was also casually played for recreation by children. Oh sure, uh, and may have been played by women as well. So they let there you them. Go. You equal know, opportunity. Equality. Um, but Uama is now one of the oldest continuously played sports in the world and is notable for the fact that it is the oldest known game using a rubber ball. So,
0: oh, that's okay. That's, that's good trivia. The, the current version of the Mesoamerican <laughs> ball game. And also, maybe I'm going to go out on a limb here the only game ever played with a human person tied up as, as a ball. The, as said ball. Hey. <laughs> that's got to It's a. That's a crazy (laughs) one that I had never heard of before I started researching this.
1: Um, So the Maya held the belief that Cenotes, that's C-E-N-O-T-E-S, or limestone sinkholes were portals to the underworld and they sacrificed human beings, tossing them down the Cenote to please the water god, Chuck. C-H-A-A-C. The most notable example of this is the sacred cenote at Chichen Itza. So extensive excavations have recovered the remains of 42 individuals, half of them under 20 years old.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: um, from the period around 950 to 1539 AD, the victims and the altar are represented as daubed in a hue now known as Maya blue. Can you kind of picture oh, yeah. this? yeah. So it's a unique bright azure blue pigment mm-hmm. obtained from the anil plant and the clay mineral palygorskite. So, um, what's interesting about this color is despite time and harsh weathering conditions, paintings colored by Maya blue have not faded over time. Oh my gosh, wow. And more remarkably, the color has resisted both chemical solvents and acids, such as nitric acid. So, wow. they figured out how to make this color last. Super permanent you know been around for like a thousand years and hasn't faded over time wow that's really so cool. like the people that were part of these sacrifices around this time and then the altars that they were sacrificed on are painted this color yeah
0: um do you know what the blue color like represented was it just like something? i don't know yeah maybe it was like this is the color of sacrifice maybe well they were throwing them to please the water god oh okay all right so, so blue water all maybe right related there
1: Um, Chichen Itza, as I mentioned, that was one of the largest Maya cities, and it was likely to have been one of the mythical great cities referred to in later Mesoamerican literature. Mm -hmm. So the site contains many fine stone buildings in various states of preservation, and many have been restored. The buildings were connected by a dense network of paved causeways called Sacbeob. that's S-A-C-B-E-O-B. Archaeologists have identified over 80 Sacbeob crisscrossing the site and extending in all directions from the city. Many of the stone buildings that were there were originally painted in red green blue and purple colors so when you look at like ruins nowadays and you just see like gray stone you're like okay whatever but you know when you picture that or like statues or whatever actually painted in these bright colors it kind of gives you a different idea Um, pigments apparently were chosen according to what was the most easily available in the area. Mm -hmm. And the city may have had the most diverse population in the Maya world, a factor that could have contributed to the variety of architectural styles that were at the site. So the ruins of Chichen Itza are federal property and the state stewardship is maintained by Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History. Um, the land under the monuments had been privately owned until March, 2010, when it was purchased by the state of Yucatan. Chichen Itza is one of the most visited archaeological sites in Mexico with over 2.6 million tourists in 2017. One of the dominating features of Chichen Itza, and this might be what you picture if you've seen pictures of Chichen Itza before, Mm -hmm. is called El Castillo. So that's the temple of Kukulkan, who is a maya feathered serpent deity similar to the aztec quetzalcoatl oh okay um and it's usually referred to as el castillo for the castle so this step pyramid stands about 98 feet high and has a series of nine square terraces each approximately eight and a half feet high with the 20 foot high temple upon the summit okay so chichen itza is the mayans Um, The conquest of the Mayans came about in the 16th century. So between 1517 and 1519 AD, three separate Spanish expeditions explored the Yucatan coast and engaged in a number of battles with the Maya inhabitants. The conquistadors got to the Aztecs, who we'll discuss in a minute. And after that, the Mayans and most of the area had been conquered by the mid 1540s. Oh, wow. Somehow, the Itza capital, Nojpetén, now known as Teazul, the last independent Maya city in northern Guatemala, held on until 1697. Wow. So the Mayans officially were not wiped out until 1697. So, like 50 years later. Oh, no, like 150 years later. Well, just thinking that they were still around in yeah, 1697. Yeah. So, like. We had colonists in the you know North America then. Yeah, and the Mayans were still around, so generally. they're not mm-hmm. they're not as ancient. They're not as ancient as you picture, but I though see. they did have a they did had a good run. Oh yeah, they had a great yeah. run. Um, when I guess nowadays when people think about the Mayans, they might also remember a couple years ago when we had the so-called Mayan apocalypse that was going to happen. So there was a lot of talk in certain corners of the internet that um, doomsday, as predicted by the Maya calendar, would come on December 21st, 2012. So that date came and went. Mm -hmm. We're still here. The apocalypse never materialized. But any Mayanist would have said that we had nothing to worry about. So December 21st, 2012 just happened to coincide with the end of a full cycle of 5,125 years in the Mayas' so-called long count calendar. Mm. So this calendar was impressive because it used zero as a placeholder. And this is one of the earliest uses of zero as a mathematical concept in history. Oh, cool. Uh, But that was only one of the calendars that the Mayas used. Um, They also had one to plan religious ceremonies, and then they also had a 365-day solar calendar. So basically, it was just like the big stone that this calendar was on for 5125 yeah. years they ran out of space that was the end of the <laughs> tablet
0: <laughs> so essentially it was like this is the end tear off the sheet yeah and the next calendar is yep. underneath yeah yeah that's all well so everyone made a big mess out of a whole lot of nothing yeah oh, I mean, we're, st- we're, we're still here yeah i mean yeah uh yeah or are we
1: oh <gasps> <laughs> so with the Mayans what you The keywords you should remember Are they're um, their parts of Mexico But mostly Central America okay. They had the longest date range Of any of the cultures That we're talking about tonight um, Chichen Itza And calendars Chichen Itza those things, calendars Those are Great. the things for the Mayans
0: I love it Now the Aztecs Okay Do you know when they started? Do you have, can you hazard a guess? Oh my gosh Well they were contemporaneous With the Mayans To a certain extent Mm-hmm and they started in what? What did you say again? 2000? Uh, so the Mayans started around uh,
1: 2000 BC. Okay. I'm going to say hmm, 1500 BC. Okay. The, the Aztec Empire uh-huh. was from 1430 to 1521
0: AD. 1430. Oh, wow. Yeah. 15th century. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. AD. Oh, wow. So they're definitely more. They're new. They're, yeah, like, they're like fresh, fresh. Hot. The new mm-hmm. hotness, Aztecs. Yeah.
1: Like Leonardo da Vinci was alive yeah. like, while the Aztec Empire was still huh. Okay. All was right. Good around. to know. Okay. So the Aztec Empire was an alliance of 3 Nahua, Nauja-Altapet city-states. So um, Nahua is spelled N-A-H-U-A and um, Altapet is A-L-T-E-P-E-T-L. Um, so these three city-states were Mexico, Tenochtitlan, Tetzcoco and Tlacopan. Oh man, you're going to have a hard time yeah, with the Aztecs, I aren't I typed you? out all my pronunciation. That's very Don't smart. Worry. Um, so these three city states ruled the area in and around the Valley of Mexico from 1430 until the combined forces of the Spanish conquistadors and their native allies under Hernan Cortes defeated them in 1521. So the word Aztec in modern usage would not have actually been used by the people themselves. Oh. Um, it has been variously used to refer to the Triple Alliance Empire, the nahuatl speaking people of Central Mexico prior to the Spanish conquest, or specifically the Mexica ethnicity of the nahuatl speaking people. The name comes from a Nahuatl word meaning people from Aztlan, reflecting the mythical place of origin for Nauha peoples. And the capital of the empire, Tenochtitlan, is now the site of present-day Mexico City. Oh, okay. So the Triple Alliance was formed from the victorious faction in a civil war fought between the city of Azcapotzalco and its former tributary provinces. By the time the Spanish arrived in 1519, the lands of the alliance were effectively ruled from Tenochtitlan, while the other partners in the alliance had taken subsidiary roles. So the alliance waged wars of conquest, they expanded rapidly, and at its height, the alliance controlled most of central Mexico, as well as some more distant territories within Mesoamerica. Aztec rule has been described by scholars as hegemonic or indirect. And the state religion of the empire was polytheistic, worshipping a diverse pantheon that included dozens of deities. Many had officially recognized cults large enough so that the deity was represented in the central temple precinct of the capital, Tenochtitlan. The imperial cult specifically was that of Huitzilopochtli. (laughs) That's H-U-I-T-Z-I-L-O-P-O-C-H-T-L-I. Huitzilopochtli. You're good at this. <sighs> the distinctive warlike patron god of the Mexica. Uh, peoples in conquered provinces were allowed to retain and freely continue their own religious traditions. Oh. So as long as they added the imperial god Huitzilopochtli to their local pantheons. Oh, so okay. they were like, you can keep doing what you're doing, but put our guy in put there too. Put our guy too. in there too. Mm-hmm. Toss him in. Yep. Yep. Um, the poinsettia was cultivated by the Aztecs who used extracts from its leaves to dye cloth. Um, they also use its sap to cure fevers and the whole plant as a decoration and symbol of purity in their religious ceremonies. Oh, sure. The plant would not grow in their high altitude capital. So rulers would import them from lower lying areas. And Montezuma is said to have loved the plant so much that he sent caravans out to bring them back to his palace by the thousands. So Montezuma, who is he?
0: Who's he getting revenge on? Yeah. What's the revenge of Montezuma?
1: (laughs) So Montezuma II was emperor of Mexico from 1502 to 1520, and he was in power when Cortez and the Spanish began their conquest of the Aztec Empire. I see. Uh, Montezuma's revenge is um, a gastrointestinal issue usually caused by drinking the local water or eating food that visitors are not accustomed to. Mm -hmm. It's a bacterial illness, always uncomfortable, and occasionally serious. (laughs) Most cases are caused by the E. coli bacterium. Um, the revenge element of the phrase alludes to the supposed hostile attitude of countries that were previously colonized by stronger countries, which are now in this small but effective way getting their revenge. revenge. Sure. Um, and so Montezuma, he's the ruler you should know in regard to the Aztecs. Okay, good to mm-hmm. know. Um, you know who else did human sacrifices? The, the, the Aztec. Oh, man, they loved it. Oh, man. So they were particularly noted for practicing human sacrifice on a large scale. and oh, offering geez. to Huitzilopochtli would be made to restore the blood that he lost as the sun god because the sun was engaged in a daily battle. Oh, yeah. Um, human sacrifices would prevent the end of the world that could happen on each cycle of 52 years. So okay. in the 1487 reconsecration of the Great Pyramid of Tenochtitlan...
0: It's all right. Some it's okay. estimate
1: that 80,400 prisoners were sacrificed. What?
0: Yeah. 80,000? Yeah. Uh, Where did these people come from? I, I didn't think that there were that many people on the <laughs> earth at this time. <laughs> it is the 15th century. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. That's true. That's true.
1: Um, the Aztec also periodically sacrificed children as it was oh, believed no. that the rain god... Tlaloc uh, required the tears of children. Oh,
0: <laughs> Just let them you cry. Know. <laughs> Just let them cry. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: human sacrifice was, in this sense, the highest level of offerings through which the Aztecs could repay their debt to the gods. Uh, the most common form of human sacrifice was heart extraction. So the Aztecs oh, believed that the heart was both the seat of the individual and a fragment of the sun's heat. So a cut was oh. made in the abdomen and went through the diaphragm, mm. and the priest would grab the heart, huh. which would be placed in a bowl held by a statue of the Honored God. And then the body would be thrown down the temple stairs.
0: Were they alive at this time? Um, Were they like...
1: I think like the the ripping of the heart out is probably what killed them.
0: Oh, so they're alive as they're like Mm -hmm. rifling around in their abdomen looking for the old sun shard Mm -hmm. to pull out. Yep. Oh my gosh. Heart extraction. So could you imagine... How do you... (laughs) You're a priest. You're an Aztec priest. Yes. You're training. You're coming up. And your you're priest overlord. Mm. Your trainer. Trainer, thank you. Comes to you. I don't know why I thought of overlord. <laughs> comes to you and is like, time for the heart your extraction. Turn. Here we go. We're we're gonna have you practice on someone small first. Oh. <laughs> and the diaphragm is a very powerful muscle. It is a very powerful muscle. It pulls muscle. all uh-huh. like it pulls your lungs open so yep. that you can breathe. So you gotta really dig around in there. Yep. Ooh.
1: They had they had a lot of weapons. Oh, yeah. They, okay. they were skilled at weapon making.
0: Oh my god.
1: Um so you know, they threw the body they got the heart. That's the important part. Then they threw the body down the temple stairs. Oh, my God. The, the Spanish the-
0: conquistadors must have been like, what the? horror! P- <laughs> <laughs> we got to kill all of these people. I mean, not saying that that was yeah. a good thing, but, you know. Um so the body, yeah, yeah. Sand's heart, would land
1: on a terrace at the base of the pyramid, and before and during the killing, priests and the audience members would gather in the plaza below, and they would also commit like forms of auto sacrifice, where they would what? kind of also stab and uh, pierce and bleed themselves too. Okay, sure, oh, all right, right. yeah. Hey. Um, So hymns, whistles, spectacular costume dances, and percussive music mark different phases of the rite. The body parts would then be disposed of. Uh, The viscera fed to the animals at the zoo, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was kind of a funny sense in all the middle of this. Um, And then the bleeding head would be placed on display in the (laughs) Zomplanty, the skull rack. (laughs)
0: That's what I'm Zom, naming my Wi-Fi when Zom I get home. Pantley,
1: that's <laughs> T-Z-O-M-P-A-N-T-L-I, Zompantly. Um, the skull rack, oh man, it's all over Aztec stuff. They, so, anyway.
0: Oh my gosh. So,
1: with a skull rack, they would, you know, they would have the skull. Sure, they would have a skull. have these piles of skulls. Then they would drill holes in, most usually like across the side of it like through the through the, through the sides of the head okay. and then they would like thread it onto like beads on a necklace yes exactly like a big abacus made of skulls <laughs> and then what they would cover it with like uh plaster or stucco or whatever and then they would use
0: that to like be the exterior of all their buildings get what yeah so so that was like they were not only sacrifices you know what though that is industrious of them they were also building material yes hmm now and it, then decorative as oh, a result and then decorative yeah and then you course. were showing
1: people like don't mess with us look at, look at our, at skull, our racks. skull racks oh
0: my god wow wow <sighs>
1: In some parts of the Aztec world, uh, there was cannibalism also involved. So the, oh war- the warrior who captured the enemy was given the meaty limbs while the most important flesh, the stomach and the chest were offerings to the gods. Um, other types of human sacrifice, which paid tribute to various deities, killed the victims differently. Uh, the victim could be shot with arrows, die sure. in gladiatorial style fighting or be sacrificed as a result of the Mesoamerican ballgame. Um,
0: oh you know, I forgot about the ball game. <laughs> There's like, so many horrible things coming at me that yeah. I actually like my brain kicked out the ball game. <laughs> oh my god, Aztecs,
1: man. Uh, um, on a lighter note, here are some English words with Aztec backgrounds. Oh, okay. Chia, coyote, mesquite,
0: mesquite, mesquite. Like oh, barbecue. Mezquite. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, shack. What the word
1: shack is from the Aztecs? The, the basketball
0: player. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal is actually a god Who from the Aztec you know what Empire. I can see it I can see it he's very tall.
1: <laughs> uh, Shaq like a like a house. Oh
0: oh. <laughs> Shaq, get in touch with us and let us know if you have any Aztec blood. Oh my gosh! Oh, could you could you imagine how what great a would that be? He would be oh such a warrior. <laughs> Other English words with Aztec
1: backgrounds: tomato. What? Avocado. Okay. Chili. Yeah. Guacamole. Are you getting hungry? Yeah. Ooh, um, I can go
0: for some salsa. And,
1: and my favorite, chocolate. Ah, uh, yes. So, chocolate. By the 15th century, the Aztecs gained control of a large part of Mesoamerica and adopted cacao into their culture. They associated chocolate with quetzalcoatl who according to one legend was cast away by the other gods for sharing chocolate with the humans and identified its ex- extrication from the pod with the removal of the human heart and sacrifice it really just oh all comes yeah it all to comes together it's so it's kind of so like fun. they the other gods didn't like him because he shared chocolate with the humans kind of like prometheus shared fire with the humans oh like, right right yeah okay interesting that parallel. is a good um yeah that's yeah. a good connection interesting. um so in contrast to the Maya who liked their chocolate warm, the Aztecs drank it cold, seasoning it with a broad variety of additives, including chile pepper, allspice, vanilla, and honey. No word oh, okay. if it was psychedelic honey. Yeah, that's true. Um, Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. uh, in the Aztec empire, cocoa beans were often used as currency, for example, the Aztecs used a bartering system in which one turkey cost 100 cacao beans and one fresh avocado was worth three beans. Oh,
0: man. If I could get an avocado these days for three beans, <laughs> avocados are so expensive now. <laughs> so you just got to save up a blood of beans and then you can yeah. buy a house. I, the girl at, at Wegmans will be like, what are you doing? We take American money here. Cash or credit. I wonder
1: what would happen if you tried to barter at Wegmans.
0: They would probably... What? what like... Like what would they do? The sixteen-year-old cashier at Wegmans—they would call a manager. One, <laughs> two. I know that Wegmans has a very like family-oriented management system. So I manage. Uh, so I imagine I would be taken aside and gently spoken to, probably by a female member have of an the management therapist. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And then they would be like, "Do you need? Do you need help? Should we call someone? Because these beans are not. We don't <laughs> take these beans. I found this bag of beans. <laughs> yeah." They would probably call, yeah, a psychiatrist. Oh, my gosh. Or just push me out the door. I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'm going to try it. Keep an eye out on the news for yeah. uh, developing I'm arrested.
1: <laughs> so what you need to, do to remember about the Aztecs. Yes. Mexico, Montezuma, Cortez, mm. chocolate, uh, a sun god, a uh, human sacrifice, especially the heart. Yes. And they were the 15th to 16th century. Okay. Great. Okay. Then on to the Incans The Incan Empire 1438 to 1533 So again kind of the same time period As the Aztecs but in a different place The Incas were in the western coast of South America Yes so the Incas held the largest empire in pre-Columbian America and possibly the largest empire in the world in the early 16th century. Wow. Its political and administrative structure was fairly sophisticated for the Americas at the time. The administrative, political, and military center of the empire was located in Cuzco in modern-day Peru. And the Inca civilization rose from the highlands of Peru sometime in the early 13th century, and its last stronghold was conquered by the Spanish in 1572. Mm. So from 1438 to 1533, the Incas incorporated a large portion of Western South America centered on the Andes Mountains using both conquest and peaceful assimilation. At its largest, the empire joined Peru, large parts of modern Ecuador, western and south-central Bolivia, northwest Argentina, north and central Chile, and a small part of southwest Colombia into a state comparable to the historical empires of Eurasia. So this was this it was big. huge. Yeah. Uh, during their reign, the Incas assimilated multiple regional tribes in a 300,000 square mile area to produce a complex empire with a population estimated between Three in 12 million people. Wow. The realm which they called Tahuantinsuyu T-A-H-U-A-N-T-I-N-S-U-Y-U Tahuatinsuyu, or the Four Corners together, had twenty thousand miles of roads, provincial oh, governors, yeah. granaries and storehouses, high altitude agriculture, and an economic system called mita, where citizens provided labor, goods, or military service to the state in exchange for food and protection.
0: Oh, okay, that's so sophisticated. They were, they were sophisticated. Yeah,
1: the empire's official language was Quechua. That's Q-U-E-C-H-U-A. Uh, Many local forms of worship persisted in the empire, most of them concerning local sacred huacas, which could be a natural location or a monument. The Inca leadership encouraged the sun worship of Inti, their sun god, and imposed sovereignty above other cults. Mm. The Incas considered their king, the Sapa Inca, to be the son of the sun. So like S-O-N of the Mm -hmm. S-U-N. Notable features of the Inca empire included its monumental architecture, especially stonework, extensive road network reaching all corners of the empire, finely woven textiles used of knotted strings called kipu for record keeping and communication. It's just oh, really interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah, so they, they didn't like, they didn't have glyphs. They didn't like write things yeah. down like these other cultures. They used knots in string to oh um, communicate gosh, and like to record their stories and stuff. Oh, so that. that's, some of that has persisted, like it still exists, but it's, but the people who could interpret it can't like anymore. Gone. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. cool um The Incas also were able to produce many agricultural innovations in a difficult environment, okay, they're up in the mountains, Yeah, yeah. um, and the organization imposed on its people and their labor. So the Incas' downfall was Spanish conquistadors led by Francisco Pizarro, who explored south from what is today Panama, reaching Inca territory by 1526. They realized they were in a wealthy land with prospects of great treasure, and after another expedition in 1529, Pizarro traveled to Spain and received royal approval to conquer the region and become its viceroy. Pizarro was named governor and captain of all conquests in Peru or New Castile as the Spanish now called the land. And when Pizarro and the Spanish conquistadors returned to Peru in 1532, the empire was weakening in a war of succession between the sons of Sapa Inca uh, named Huayna Capac, Huascar, and Atahualpa and unrest among newly conquered territories. Also, smallpox, influenza, typhus, and measles had spread from Central America. So like these cultures had all been doing fine and then once the people from Europe came and brought all their diseases and these people did not have the immune systems for it that's mostly what wiped out these people it wasn't all like bloodshed and people fighting it was like a lot of disease wiped out a lot of these cultures as per usual Mm -hmm. Um, In 1533, Spaniards kidnapped and executed Atahualpa, the last Incan emperor, and effectively ended the Inca's empire. Mm. Um, Places you should know. Machu Picchu. Oh, of course. Yeah. So alternately defined as a sanctuary and a citadel, Machu Picchu was constructed sometime in the mid-15th century, possibly by a Pachacuti, the Sapa Inca who defeated the Xanque tribe and expanded the kingdom of Cusco into the vast Inca empire. So for more than a century, researchers, archaeologists, anthropologists, and historians have postulated myriad reasons behind the the site's construction. Some believed it was a royal retreat, and others think it was a pilgrimage site to honor the founding of the Inca religion, or likely some combination of a spiritual and official estate built in a sacred landscape at Machu Picchu 16 stone waterfalls sequence down one side of the site and all over Machu Picchu massive crafted stones are fit together in near perfect harmony and celebrate the sun the year cycle the surrounding mountain shapes and the way humans take a step which is kind of interesting to think about like that's how it's built so um the site you know was basically untouched for centuries and it was rediscovered by Hiram Bingham in 1911 who thought that he had found the lost city of the Incas oh and sure he Wrote books and he made a lot he like his, he made his career in the 20th century oh, off please. of finding the lost city of the Incas yeah his name was Hiram Bingham um the Inca moral code was Amasua Amayuya Amakeya Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not be lazy. Oh, but it does not mention anything about do not sacrifice your children to the gods. Is that what they did? So
0: child sacrifice. I had such hope (laughs) for the Incas to not sacrifice people. Yeah, child sacrifice referred
1: to as capachocha was an important part of the Inca religion and was often used to commemorate important events such as the death of a Sapa Inca. Um, Human sacrifice was also used as offering to the gods in times of famine as a way for asking for protection. Sacrifice could only occur with the direct approval of the Inca emperor. Children were chosen from all over the sprawling Inca empire and were picked primarily based on their physical perfection.
0: Oh, no, not the beautiful kids. (laughs) We better hope Mm. these mothers better hope that they have an ugly baby kid, you know, like, oh, his eyes are different shapes. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> children chosen for sacrifice were generally sons and daughters of nobles and local rulers oh, okay. they were then taken to the capital in Cusco where they were subject of important purification rituals and from there the children were sent to high mountain tops throughout the empire to be sacrificed oh. according to traditional Inca belief children who are sacrificed do not truly die but instead watch over the land from their mountaintop perches alongside their ancestors oh. and the Incas considered it a great honor to die as a sacrifice
0: well, so considered it a great honor I guess
1: um, still sucks. Yeah, it
0: still sucks. Yeah. But
1: um, have you heard of the mummies of Yuyuwako?
0: I have not, <laughs> actually. <laughs> mm. So Yuyuwako
1: is L-L-U-L-L-A-I-L-L-A-C-O. No.
0: <laughs> That's so Yuyiwako. many else.
1: So... Three Inca child mummies were rediscovered on March 16, 1999 by Dr. Johan Reinhard and his archaeological team near the summit of Huayhuaco, a 22,110-foot-high stratovolcano in the Andes Mountains on the border between Chile and Argentina. Dr. Reinhard and his team of researchers had set out in the high Andes to search for Inca ritual sacrifice sites. 3 days into their search, Reinhard's team discovered a gravesite containing three mummified children, two girls and one boy the children were sacrifices in an Inca religious ritual that is believed to have taken place around the year 1500 the three children were drugged and allowed to freeze on top of the mountain and then they were placed inside a small chamber about five feet beneath the ground where they were left to die nearby were gold shell and silver statues textiles and pottery The younger girl's body had been struck by lightning after her death, causing burn damage on her body. And the researchers named them La Dansella, the maiden, and she was about 15 years old. La Nina Del Reo, the lightning girl, about six years old. And El Nino, the boy, who was about seven years old. The mummies were in exceptional condition when found. Dr. Reinhard said the mummies appear to be the best preserved Inca mummies ever found, additionally saying that the arms were perfectly preserved even down to the individual hairs. Oh
0: my god. Their <laughs> internal
1: organs were all intact and one of the hearts still contained frozen blood.
0: No. What? <laughs>
1: Uh, So because the mummies froze before a dehydration could occur, the desiccation and shriveling of the organs that's typical to exposed human remains never took place. And according to a biochemical analysis of La hair, the children were drugged with alcohol and coca before the start of the sacrificial Cocaine and booze?
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What La a La Doncea had
1: been drugged by coca leaves and a maize beer known as chicha. Though all three of the sacrifices consumed significant amounts of these substances prior to the ritual, a hair sample analysis shows that La Doncella consumed significantly more coca and <gasps> alcohol than either El Nino or La Nina del Rio, and her hair contained the largest concentration of coca ever found in Andean human remains. Oh, my God. These mummies remain on display at the Museum of High Altitude Archaeology, a museum dedicated entirely to the display of these mummies in Salta, Argentina. To prevent deterioration, a computer-controlled climate system maintains environmental conditions similar to those on the mountaintop where they spent the previous 500 years. And if an earthquake or other emergency were to result in the loss of power, it, the airplane of the provincial governor of Argentina would be used to fly the mummies to another location. Oh, my gosh. And they have been the subject of much controversy, especially with regards to indigenous rights. But we're not going to get into that here. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I the, was going to say. The photographs are insane. It looks like a 15-year-old girl wearing leather clothes fell asleep. <gasps> Oh my gosh I got chills I'll show you I'll show you a picture And you can decide If you want to post it On Twitter No I'm definitely Going to post it on Twitter Keep an eye out for that guys Yeah so they have Preserved them In exactly how they were found Yeah Like they you know Have done analysis On the stuff obviously Um, But it just kind of Looks like she's Laying down Oh my god Kind of slumped and asleep, And it's
0: That's insane Yeah yeah, I mean, the idea of display of human remains, we deal with that all the time mm-hmm. at the museum, having to do with like the NAGPRA yeah, law exactly. and all of this stuff. Like if if it's a a culture, many cultures don't display their human remains. That's not mm-hmm. how that works. And displaying the remains of another culture, yeah. especially one that you've conquered, mm-hmm. is like no bueno. Yeah,
1: and also part of it is, um, part of the controversy is like, well, this now this museum is making money
0: because yeah, exactly. people are coming
1: to see them and the money is not going to the people who descended you know, from who's these families. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But oh, my oh yeah. Gosh. Those are the mummies of Yuyuaco. They were that's- Incan. Oh my god! So what you need to remember about the Incans, it's Peru and South America. You have Cusco, you have Machu Picchu, you're in the Andean Mountains, uh Pizarro, uh there were also child sacrifices, and oh then gosh. these Andean mummies. And they were the Incans were also the 15th to sixteenth century.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: So that's <laughs> Oh my gosh. A lot, a lot of human sacrifices. Wow, you know A lot what? More, more than th- I
0: than I realized there would be. A lot more than I was expecting tonight. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when we we just started off talking about Scri- corn talking snacks. About corn snacks. But thank you. Good. Yeah. I now I have like a place in time. Yeah. And space. Yeah. For these cultures, so mm-hmm. that's very good. Thank you. Which Julia. is funny
1: to think that that some of these were you know contemporary to yeah things that we study nowadays, such as like artists or or historians yeah. or authors like. These what we consider ancient cultures are actually still...
0: Yeah, not that ancient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also super sophisticated. Like, you know, a lot yeah. of times people think, you think kind of linear, linearly that um, non-white ancient cultures mm-hmm. were very primitive mm-hmm. and they didn't, you know, that it was the great European wave oh, of yeah. Renaissance that brought about all of this technology and, like, new discoveries. They were fully
1: functioning societies until way before the Spaniards came, came in and diseased them all to exactly death. Jeez. So, Maya's, Inkins and Aztecs.
0: Maya's, Jenkins, Aztecs. Thank
1: you, Julie. So my quiz is called, These Answers Are MIA. This is a quiz on famous people who have gone missing <gasps> and the country that's home of rapper MIA, Sri Lanka. Uh, for better accessibility, all of the Sri Lanka questions are either true or false or multiple choice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Because I know very little about Sri Lanka. <laughs> Question one. True or false, Sri Lanka was the first Asian country known to have a female ruler. Question two, can you handle the truth? Sir Walter Raleigh's famous lost colony of Roanoke disappeared around 1590 when 120 colonists seemingly vanished without a trace. Among the missing colonists was which toddler, the first English child born in North America? Question three, multiple choice. On the national flag of Sri Lanka is which creature wielding a sword? Is it A, a dragon, B, a lion, C, an eagle, or D, a lobster? Question four. The name Robert Leroy Parker may not ring any bells, but this infamous adult was an American train robber, bank robber, and the leader of a gang of criminal outlaws known as the Wild Bunch in the American Old West. He and his accomplice Harry Alonzo Longabaugh went missing in Bolivia in 1908 while on the run from the Pinkerton Detective Agency. By what alias was Parker better known? Question five, true or false? The national sport of Sri Lanka is volleyball. Question six. In 1937, Amelia Earhart and her partner disappeared on a flight that would make her the first woman to circumnavigate the globe in an airplane. Wright said, What was the name of her expert navigator, an aviation pioneer who first charted many commercial airline routes across the Pacific Ocean? Question seven. Multiple choice. The two main traditional cultures in Sri Lanka are the Sinhalese and what other ethnic group? Is it A. Khmer, B. Turkic, C. Tamil, or D, Bengali? Question 8. Wow, I'm really not in the mood to talk about it yet, but this American big band trombonist and bandleader disappeared while traveling to France to moonlight serenade the U.S. troops during World War II. He wasn't on a Chattanooga choo-choo or a Pennsylvania 65,000. What was the name of this best-selling recording artist whose plane vanished over the English Channel on December 15, 1944? Question 9. Multiple choice. Sri Lanka is especially well known for mining what gemstones, also the gem of the 45th wedding anniversary? Is it A. Sapphire, B. Emerald, C. Garnet, or D. Tanzanite? And finally, question 10. Our generation has grown up hearing about the missing union leader and activist Jimmy Hoffa, who vanished in Michigan in July 1975. With what union, abbreviated IBT, was he affiliated? Give you about a minute to think, and we'll be back with your answers.
0: Would know a lot more about missing people, but I do not, and that stuff that's up my alley. I like that kind of thing. We'll see. Maybe it'll <sighs> maybe it'll, it'll come, come to me to on second reading. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. All right.
1: Question one: True or false? Sri Lanka was the first Asian country known to have a female ruler. True. It is true. Yes. Did you know that, or was it a guess? No, it was a guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Qu- Queen Anula of Anuradhapura. Uh, uh, I didn't write down this pronunciation. Sorry to all my Sri Lankan listeners for butchering your queen's name. She reigned from 47 BC to 42 BC. Oh, wow. So who knows? Yeah. Um, She was the first queen in Sri Lankan history to have wielded meaningful power and authority as well as the first female head of state in Asia. Good for her. Good for Queen Anula. Question two. Can you handle the truth? Sir Walter Raleigh's famous lost colony of Roanoke disappeared around 1590 when 120 colonists seemingly vanished without a trace. Among the missing colonists was which toddler, the first English child born in North America? Jack Nicholson.
0: I'm going off of the <laughs> a few good men reference. Uh-huh. Tom Cruise was his name. Thomas, Thomas Cruise.
1: Cruise. The first I don't English know. <laughs> child born in North America. It's uh, Virginia Dare.
0: Oh, Virginia Dare. Okay. I have heard mm-hmm.
1: this. I have heard of this. Yep. So, you know, that was one of the first, like, that's one of the first, like, historical things that, like, really... Stuck out for you? Yeah. Launched, like, in third grade, I read, it, like, an article about it, and I thought this was the cool... I was like, I'm going to solve this. You know what
0: I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because,
1: like, the only clue they had was carved into a tree was the word Croatone. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm Croatian. Maybe it's related to that. I remember, like, very... <laughs> Like being like, we can solve this. Um,
0: that was the beginning. Nobody's ever, ever That's found amazing. anything. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Every so often I read the Wikipedia article for that. And yeah. I'm like, there's got to be more. Yeah. Boy.
1: Well, Roanoke Island is now part of North Carolina. Oh, and okay. I went to Roanoke College, and a lot of people would say, oh, is that where the lost colony was? And they're like, no, Roanoke College is in southwestern Virginia. Roanoke Colony was off the coast of North Carolina. Huh. Just, well, some, some basic geography for you. <laughs> Question three, multiple choice. On the national flag of Sri Lanka is which creature wielding a sword? Is it A, a dragon, B, a lion, C, an eagle, or D, a lobster? I'm going to go with lion. The answer is lion.
0: Yes. Yes. Man, I'm so good at the Sri Lanka yeah. stuff. Yeah,
1: So Sri Lankan flag consists of a gold line holding a castane sword in its right forepaw <laughs> on a maroon background with four gold bow leaves in each corner. This is bordered by gold, and to its left are two vertical stripes of equal size in green and saffron, with the saffron stripe closest to the lion. The lion represents the Sinhalese, while the four bow leaves represent Buddhism's four concepts.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Um,
1: the stripes represent the two main minorities, so the orange representing the Sri Lankan Tamils, and the green representing Muslims. The maroon background and gold border represent minority faiths and minority ethnicities, respectively. Question four. The name Robert Leroy Parker may not ring any bells, but this infamous adult was an American train robber, bank robber, and the leader of a gang of criminal outlaws known as the Wild Bunch in the American Old West. He and his accomplice, Harry Alonzo Longabaugh, went missing in Bolivia in 1908 while on the run from the Pinkerton Detective
0: Agency. By what alias was Parker better known? Oh my gosh. Was it Marcus Mark, Marky Mark, and the... Wild Bunch? No, it's the Funky. Marky bunch. Mark in the Funky Bunch. He's <laughs> the Funky Bunch. I have no idea. <laughs> it's Butch Cassidy. Oh, seriously? Yeah.
1: What happened to the Sundance Kid? Well, Harry Alonzo Longabaugh, the Sundance Kid, what? went missing with him. You know what? I saw Bolivia. the movie and everything. Yeah, I was just gonna say the acclaimed 1969 movie about the pair starred Paul Newman as Butch Cassidy so and handsome. Robert Redford as the Sundance Kid.
0: So handsome. Hello. Hello. So handsome. Honestly, worth watching it just to gaze upon the both of them at their physical peaks. Yeah. Just beautiful. It's funny to
1: think like, because you think like wild, wild west. Like not so long ago. Well, 1908, they're still on the run. (laughs) Yeah. Disappeared.
0: Huh. What a weird thing. Mm
1: -hmm. In Bolivia.
0: In Bolivia of all places.
1: Mm -hmm. (sighs) Question five. True or false. The national sport of Sri Lanka is volleyball. I'm going
0: to say true. It is
1: true. Um, I think maybe some people might think that the Sri Lankan national sport is cricket, and it's not. Um, Sports-wise, the Sri Lanka national cricket team achieved considerable success beginning in the 1990s, rising from underdog status to winning the 1996 Cricket World Cup.
0: Yeah! Congrats! I was there. As for the
1: Olympics, Sri Lankans have won two medals at Olympic Games. One silver by Duncan White at the 1948 London Olympics for the men's 400-meter hurdles, and one silver by... Susanthika Jayasinghe at the 2000 Sydney Olympics for the women's 200 meters. So they have won
0: two Olympic medals. That's pretty good for a very small country. Yes.
1: Um, question six. In 1937, Amelia Earhart and her partner disappeared on a flight that would have made her the first woman to circumnavigate the globe in an airplane. Wright said, what was the name of her expert navigator and aviation pioneer who first charted many commercial airline routes across the Pacific Ocean?
0: I have, I have I couldn't even begin to think of who if i person. said
1: the clue was right said would that help you
0: was it was it one of the right brothers
1: oh sorry right like r-i-g-h-t
0: oh then no that doesn't help
1: <laughs> the answer is fred noonan fred noonan oh right said fred,
0: fred. fred. Oh, i'm trying to good. get that's you there. no that's yep. good
1: fred noonan no. and people think like he made a mistake and oh. that's what happened Because, like, in his, like, the last radio report or something, he was like, oh, we're this far from this
0: place. And And the people in that place were like, nope, they weren't here. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's on you, Fred. Should have got a woman in the cockpit. Am I right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Question seven. Uh, Multiple choice. The two main traditional cultures in Sri Lanka are the Sinhalese and what other ethnic group? Um, A. Chimeria khymir that's k-h-m-e-r uh b turkic c tamil or d bengali i'm gonna say tamil it is tamil well i because of my answer you mentioned it in the flag yeah Yeah, so um, Tamil people, also referred to as Tamils, are a Dravidian ethnic group who speak Tamil as their mother tongue and trace their ancestry to the Indian state of Tamil Nadu, the Indian Union Territory of Puducherry, or the northern eastern Provence and Putalam district of Sri Lanka. Tamil people, with a population of approximately 76 million living around the world, are one of the largest and oldest of the existing ethno-linguistic cultural groups of people in the modern world. That's cool. Look at that. Sri Lanka.
0: Sri Lanka.
1: Um, Question eight. Wow. I'm really not in the mood to talk about it yet, but this American big band trombonist and band leader disappeared while traveling to France to moonlight serenade the US troops during World War II. He wasn't on a Chattanooga choo-choo or a Pennsylvania 65,000. What was the name of this best-selling recording artist whose plane vanished over the English channel on December 15th, 1944?
0: Uh, I know you were dropping like (laughs) so many hints in that. And I don't know if it's because I finished my glass of wine very quickly, but I cannot think of even a single band leader to even guess about. It's Glenn Miller.
1: Glenn Miller. He disappeared? He disappeared. So what happened? Oh, well, no. He disappeared. I don't know the answer to the rest of that question. But um, the... The rest of his bandmates didn't go with him on this trip. Like he okay. was going ahead to like set everything up and yeah. then they were going to like do like a residency to entertain the troops. Um, so the rest of his band decided that they wanted to stay named the Glenn Miller Orchestra. And so they kind of oh. had like a ghost band for all these years that was like, well, I mean like they, well, you know, yeah, they were still the Glenn ghosts. Miller Orchestra, but just no Glenn Miller there. was there. no Glenn Miller. And there's still a Glenn Miller Orchestra. Are you like serious? today,
0: yeah. Oh, they just God. kind of like kept it, yeah. Kept it going. They just used his name. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Glenn Miller disappeared. Vanished. I'm well, still not in the mood to talk about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Question nine. Multiple choice. Okay. Sri Lanka is especially well known for mining what gemstones? Also the gem of the 45th wedding anniversary. Is it A, sapphire, B, emerald, C, garnet, or D, tanzanite? All right. I'm just going to go with
0: my, with my gut. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with sapphire.
1: It is sapphire. Yes. In uh, 2015, the world's largest blue star sapphire, nicknamed the Star of Adam, was mined in Ratnapura, weighing an astonishing 1,404 carats. What?
0: That's so big. It's gigantic. Is it uncut? Yeah, it, they polished it into a... Oh, my God. Yeah. Is it so beautiful? It's beautiful. Well, oh my it's gosh. A, a star sapphire, so yeah, you can't so
1: see through it. It just has that really yeah, it has like that optic. Aster, yeah, mm-hmm. that aster in it.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool.
1: And finally, question 10. Our generation has grown up hearing about the missing union leader and activist, Jimmy Hoffa, who vanished in Michigan in July, 1975. With what union abbreviated IBT was he affiliated? International.
0: Breaking. What's, what do you think the T is? The T is. a union group. Uh, trade, trade union. <laughs> oh my God. I am really doing poorly. Um, no, you're not. Uh, What's, I can't think of anything that starts with T. I can't think of a teamsters. single teamster Teamsters. Teamsters. International Brotherhood of, of Teamsters. Of course, Teamsters. Mm-hmm. What do Teamsters do? Like a a union. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yep. you, know, you always hear like, oh, he's a Teamster, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, right, moo. What is a Teamster? All right, we're going to do a whole topic. Oh, on unions. Oh, that's a good That'd idea. That would be a good idea. Yeah, I like that because there's a lot of stories around unions. Yeah. Oh, and, we can talk about Tammany Hall. Oh, yeah, oh. Tammany Hall. All right, good. Great. Done and done. There's a little teaser for you guys. Yeah, a for, teaser, mm, a at treat. some point,
1: we're going to talk about unions. So anyway, Jimmy Hoffa was, uh, was a teamster. Okay. Um, over the years, Hoffa was rumored to have been buried at New York Giants Stadium yep. in New Jersey, the Pulaski Skyway, the Renaissance Center, which was the headquarters for GM in Detroit, and also a horse barn in Michigan. Hoffa's body has never been found. So I just feel like I always, like, grew up hearing it as, like, a punchline. Like, you know. Where's Jimmy Hoffa? Yeah.
0: Jimmy Hoffa's body. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that whole thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, like, a real thing and they never found his body. I mean, he was probably, like, chopped up into a bunch of pieces and, like, dropped into wet cement and, like. Yeah, but
1: there's, like, still people to this, like, like, the horse barn that they checked out was, like, a couple years ago. Like, when they um, built the new giant stadium, like, when they were tearing down the old giant stadium, like, that was, you know like a decade ago, they were still looking for his body under like a certain section that somebody had told him that he had been buried under. So
0: It's so weird. Like, it's like a local... It was not a local, but like, for all intents and purposes, a local, like, incident. Yeah. And he wasn't anybody, you know? Right. And the fact that it's like captured the imagination Mm -hmm. of like the entire American culture, like, where's Jimmy Hoffa's body? Mm -hmm. It's like, there have been... Like, millions of murders where people yeah. have not found bodies. And yeah. It's just, so,
1: why did this one yeah. stand out? There mm-hmm. is
0: a Wikipedia page
1: of, of of missing people, which is fascinating. Oh, I've seen if that. You, it's very good. And they get really detailed in into, like, the 21st century ones. They get into, oh, yeah. like, you know, cases that of are of people that wouldn't be traditionally represented in news stories and stuff like that, which is really, interesting. like, interesting to see. So Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, uh, that was my,
1: that was the quiz that the answers I were was, M.I.A.
0: Better at Sh- Sri Lanka than I was expecting. So Isn't that there you go. Goes? There you have it.
1: That's awesome. So well, thank you, um,
0: yeah, no problem.
1: So um, we got a really great uh, oh my message. Y-
0: you guys, you don't even understand how beyond thrilled. Chuffed. Chuffed. Yes. I will use a foreign term to describe the happiness and joy that swelled in my chest mm-hmm. when I got this email. Our listener, Heather, hey, Heather, we love her. She was so excited about our Bible quiz, my Bible quiz, I should say. Um, And she tweeted at us and said something along the lines of, I went to Bible school and I'm very, I got really excited about the Bible quiz and I'm going to send you, I have a song about Zacchaeus and I'm going to send it to you guys. And forgive me ahead of time for my enthusiasm. And I was like, please, I can't wait to hear about this. So she wrote us, as I tweet, so I deliver. For full effect, imagine me shaking a finger during the You Come Down lyric. And she wrote, heart, stars, and rainbows, Heather. So I'm going to So we're going to share
2: that. We're going to share that right now. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Julia. This is Heather Hurley, uh, avid fan and fervent tweeter. Uh, I just finished listening to episode 43 about skin. And let me first say that in a lot of your episodes, there is some element that I start out feeling one way about. And then by the time the segment is over, I feel the exact opposite way. And in this episode, it was the um, concept of binding books in human skin, which when I first heard about it, I was horrified. I was like, that's literally the grossest thing I've ever heard. And then by the end of the segment, I was like, that's so badass. Does my legacy need to be that I demand I get turned into a book? Maybe. I don't know. That's a life choice for me to continue to think about. Uh, The real reason that I called was the Bible quiz at the end of the episode, which um, as a Bible college graduate who (laughs) has... who has gone to literally thousands of church services, I am always delighted when I get to show off a little Bible knowledge, um, which usually happens in like pub trivia or quiz situations. And the um, Bible quiz in question two asked about the story of Zacchaeus, which is a little bit, when I heard it, it's a little bit of a deep pull. And when I heard it, I thought to myself, you know what? Respect. Respect for a quiz that right on question two says, we're not here to play around. We're asking you about Zacchaeus. Um, And this is actually not the first time Zacchaeus has come up for me in a trivia situation. Um, A couple years ago at the World Quizzing Championships, there was a question about um, where you had to name the kind of tree that Zacchaeus climbed. So, see, he comes up. um, He's a little trickster, that Zacchaeus. Anyway, um, the story of Zacchaeus has a little song that goes along with it that I have shared with, yay, dozens of second graders over the years. And I would be remiss not to share it uh, with you. Uh, So without further ado, the song of Zacchaeus, which will help you remember the story if you ever need to in the future and have forgotten uh, the quiz that, that we all took in episode 43. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. So moral of the story is, I guess if you're a shorty, climb on some foliage, find a ladder, especially if Jesus is passing by, because that's probably a once in a lifetime thing. You're not going to often get to see Jesus. And if he notices you, he might invite himself over to your house, but be cool with it because he's the son of God and shit and he might do miracles for you or something. I don't know. He's busy. He might have better things to do. But if he's in your vicinity, a miracle's you know probably going to happen, David Blaine style. I did not just compare Jesus to David Blaine. All right. Edit that out. Uh, anyway, ladies, you are a delight. You are scholars. I continue to look forward to each and every episode, and I eagerly anticipate the next one. Thanks for all you do. Keep it up. Bye.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, is, I love it. Wasn't that the best thing? <laughs> I listened to this at work. Was this the first time you heard yeah.
0: it? Oh, my God. I was listening to it at work <laughs> and I'm in my office and I was laughing. I had to listen to it twice, Heather. I was laughing through the whole thing, not making fun of you, but like it was so charming and yes. so wonderful. And also Heather, not for nothing, you have a great speaking voice. Like maybe you should start your own podcast. I'm just saying. Wow. Heather, uh, you are our gold star listener of you're the week. Gold star listener. <laughs> it was you're so are good. You're our inaugural gold star listener this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you get you get listener of the week. <laughs> Also, so the I forgot to mention the subject of her email uh-huh. which this came is called Zacchaeus or David Blaine is no Jesus. <laughs> um and uh I remember that song, Heather. I can't believe that I like when I saw the, your tweet I was like there's a song about Zacchaeus, but there's definitely I remember like deep in the recesses of my tiny brain. I remember singing that song or learning that song when I was like in kindergarten. So thank you for that. My other favorite part is when she says, yeah, real deep cut. <laughs> Pulling yeah. no punches. Yeah. Question two. Julia pointed at me in a very accusatory way when we got to that part in your in your voice memo. Um, so thank you for acknowledging that and giving us respect for that. <laughs> that was so great. Thank you so much, that Heather. That was so wonderful. We were so charmed by that. Heather, you are a dream we are so touched to have such fun, wonderful listeners as you. And we are uh, enormously lucky to and have great anyone, dis-
1: listeners. If any of our other listeners want to try to follow up with follow up, Heather, Please. and send us a voice memo too, feel free to do Please so. Please do if you, so. if you have an addendum or um, if you have some listener submitted trivia or um, what else? Uh, if you've yeah. also
0: eaten yak cheese, yeah. please feel free. If you had a funny story about a topic that is related in some way that we've already talked about, please send it along. Send it along. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Heather. We were just... <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> wonderful.
1: So, yeah. She emailed us at misinfopod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. And you can also find us on Twitter at misinfopod. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Misinformation, a trivia
0: podcast, and we have a website,
1: www.misinfopod.com.
0: And you know what else you can do on our website? You can stream us uh, Mm. if you would like to listen to any episode, uh, past or present. Uh, Not future. Those are not ready yet. No, they're not. We we haven't even come up with them yet. Uh, And if you (laughs) (laughs) want to download us, if you want to listen to more, uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or use any podcast app you prefer with our RSS feed. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Please rate, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. So um, thank you again to everybody. And thank you again, Heather. Thank that you, was, Heather. Oh, just I, I chefs kissed that. It was perfect. <laughs> so thank you awesome. so much. All right. Well, thanks for listening, you guys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>